This is the Paranormal Podcast with Jim Harold. Welcome to the Paranormal Podcast. I'm Jim Harold. Welcome to November. Believe it or not, uh, we've just passed the Halloween season, uh, but we've got something that actually fits quite well into the Halloween season. I guess we can take a little bit of the Halloween season on through at least the early part of November. And I'm talking about the new book by Dr. Bob Curran, American Vampires, Their True Bloody History from New York to California. And uh, of course, if you've listened to the Paranormal Podcast You've heard Dr. Kern many times, including our most recent discussion by his uh, other recent book uh, about H.P. Lovecraft. A little bit about Dr. Bob. He was born in a remote area of County Down, Northern Ireland. Since leaving school, he's traveled throughout the world, fascinated by the myths and stories that he's found. He's written a number of books looking at culture and lore, including The World's Creepiest Places, Vampires, Lost Lands, Forgotten Realms, Zombies, and Werewolves. Dr. Curran lives in Northern Ireland with his wife and family. You can find him over at drbobcurran.blogspot.com. We're so glad to have him with us. Uh, Dr. Robert Curran, welcome back to the Paranormal Podcast. Jim, it's great to be here, and it's great to be talking to you again. Now, uh, when I think about your books, I, I think about these very, this is a very, if, you, if nobody hasn't seen it, it's great because you've got a picture of the continental United States with blood dripping <laughs> off of it. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, we're used to kind of those uh, books, and a lot of the lore, a lot of times, is focused on Europe and, and different things. Why did you decide to turn your spotlight on not only vampires, because I know you've done some other work on vampires, but specifically American vampires. Well, Jim, uh, over here, we tend to think of America as uh, New York, uh, in terms of New York and uh, New York and places like that. Sure. And the big cities. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do was look at uh, what lies beneath the surface of America, because many of um, the, the European nightmares, remember that America was settled largely by Europeans, uh, and um, they spread out across the country. Um, there were uh, Native Americans there, and uh, I look at some of their beliefs as well. But uh, largely, um, uh, some of the nightmares which uh, infested America, or sorry, infested Europe at the time, were brought over to America. And that lies beneath uh, the surface of many of the ghost stories of uh, America and the vampire beliefs. For example, we have uh, in New York itself, everybody thinks of New York as a massive city, but lying literally beneath uh, the surface of the city is the old Dutch tradition, uh, which, um, well, as you probably know, New York was originally New Amsterdam. Yes. And uh, you still have that in places like Hoboken and um, Brooklyn, places like that. So the old Dutch influence lies just beneath the surface. And, uh, for example, we have the, the, the notion of the Nacht Marie, uh, the old Dutch night visitors. And uh, in... Um, the uh, outline uh, on, on a floor of a certain house which drew um, 
the energies from the people who lived in it. Because, as I point out in the book, not all vampires, Jim, drink blood. And uh, in America, you get the full spectrum of uh, the sort of uh, vampires which have infested parts of Europe and which uh, have come into what what were then the colonies and uh, settle in America. So America gives us a great spectrum, even more than Europe, um, uh, uh, living cheek by jowl with more modernity and uh, the uh, new um, American uh, ethos. Uh, and you kind of preempted my, my next question, but I'll continue along that line of thinking. When you talk about European viewpoints in, in vampire lore and American um, viewpoints in, in vampire lore. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of commonalities because, as you said, America uh, is in large part derivative from uh, Europe. Uh, yep. But how does how are maybe there's some differences between the attitudes and the lore concerning vampires over here in the States? Well, uh what what you get is in various uh, in various states. For example, um, you have which we don't have in Europe uh, to any large extent. Uh, lore which has been brought in from let's say Africa. Uh, for example, I'm writing about South Carolina. Now everybody talks about North Carolina and South Carolina. The two vampires which exist uh, in uh, the Carolinas uh, are slightly different. For instance, North Carolina was largely settled by people from my own part of the world, what you would call the Scots-Irish, what we call Ulster Scots, which can be settled all through the mountains, and you get uh, hints, uh, and we can talk about those uh, slightly later, of uh, Irish and Scottish notions of vampires. But in the South, where the rice king, in South Carolina, where the rice kings um, were held sway, they brought in uh, slaves uh, from Africa, largely from Angola. Uh, so you get the Gulf culture, which uh, which uh, you don't find anywhere in Europe, in which you have um, vampires who can take off their skins, vampires who are not um, intimidated by the cross, but are intimidated by the color blue, and a special type of blue, uh, the haunt blue, so you paint there, and uh, are um, repelled or um, hurt by pepper rather than garlic. So you you have very subtle differences, as well as that you have the um, the Native American influence, which we don't have in Europe, and uh, you have uh, the ideas, for example, uh, as you find in New Mexico, that uh, vampires are actually balls of light travel now. Um, in Europe, vampires tend uh, largely to be dead, or the the return uh, the returning revenants of people who are dead. But uh, in places like the southwest of America, you can find uh, 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 vampires who are alive uh, because 
uh, among the Native Americans, vampirism and witchcraft are uh, are closely linked. So uh, it can be a witch in a ball of light uh, who is also a vampire. So uh, you're finding all these slightly subtle differences coming in, largely because uh, uh, America uh, has uh, uh, traditions uh, in itself which uh, are not European. Uh, and uh, they blend with the incoming European uh, influences to create uh, a very, very rich tapestry of vampire lore. And I would tend to think, Jim, that what you ha- uh, the vampire lore that you have in America is more subtle, is more rich, is more varied than even European vampire lore. Well, this is a subject that I'm looking forward to in- biting into more. <laughs> After after this break, do you want to do what I do and pursue your passion on the Internet via a blog? Don't know where to start. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm going to go with a free solution. I'm going to try something free. I think that sometimes you get what you pay for. And I would suggest if you're starting today and you, let's say, you have a paranormal investigative group and you want to start a website, or let's say you're a writer and you want to start a website, or you're a potential podcaster and you need a a website to run your podcast off of, I would recommend WordPress, which is free, but you need some place to host that. And that's where a lot of people get tripped up. But I've got an answer for you. It's very inexpensive. But they're very good. I'm talking about Bluehost. Trusted by Millions is the best web hosting solution on the Internet. They get over 20,000 new customers a month, and they host millions of domains. And you can sign up with them for as low as $4.95 a month. There are no hidden fees, free instant setup, and an anytime money-back guarantee. Now, with them, for that $4.95 a month, you'd get unlimited gigabyte hosting space. Unlimited gigabyte file transfer, unlimited email accounts, a free domain, uh, and and so much more. Most importantly, here's what I like. 24-7 phone chat and email support, which is so important. So if you're looking to put your presence on the web and get started, you need that home base of a strong website. I would go with free WordPress. Team it up with Bluehost. And you can get this deal. Just go over to jimherald.com and click on the Bluehost banner. That's jimherald.com and click on the Bluehost banner. And there you'll be able to find all the great information about Bluehost. I think you'll be glad you did. Plus, I must admit, it helps us greatly if you do so. So I thank you so much for listening. I recommend start your internet presence today. Don't wait another minute. The world needs to hear from you. That means you need a site. I recommend a WordPress site, and I recommend Bluehost. Check them out. Go over to jimherald.com and click on the Bluehost banner. Support the shows and save some dough. Do all your Amazon shopping via Jim's links at jimherald.com. Now, back to the Paranormal Podcast. Welcome back to the Paranormal Podcast. I'm Jim Harold. So glad to be with you and so glad to be with one of our favorite guests, Dr. Bob Curran, his latest book, American Vampires, Their True Bloody History from New York to California. You know, one thing that struck me as you were talking about Europeans' thoughts about the states, and they tend to think of New York. Uh, uh, But as you know, there's a lot of farm country. There are a lot of rural areas 
in the states uh, uh, geographically a lot more of that than there is uh, mm-hmm. our big cities. Um, what did you find about the vampire lore in these more rural areas? Well, now, Jim, if I were to ask you um, what would be the vampire capital of the United States, uh, you might say, because you've been watching a lot of TV and um, film, you might say, oh, Louis, uh, New Orleans. Sure, um, sure, that's New what York. I was thinking. I was thinking uh, New Orleans. Maybe <laughs> uh, San Francisco, but no. Um, I would argue that uh, the vampire capital of uh, the United States is probably its smallest state, and that is rural Rhode Island, uh, because you have a tradition of vampires, uh, the famous vampire ladies of Rhode Island. You have a, a, an, an almost unbroken tradition. We uh, I, I think, and I'm just looking at the book here. We uh, we have uh, looked at uh, the various uh, things around Rhode Island and uh, Vermont, uh, 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 which is probably some of the earliest uh, vampire traditions in America, which did back to the seven uh, uh, to the 1700s uh, with. Um, uh, the uh, uh, young ladies who died, and we have an unbroken, and the most famous being, of course, um, Mercy Brown, which is supposed to, uh, in the late 1800s, which is supposed to have um, influenced Bram Stoker, who traveled in America with Sir Henry Irving, as uh, secretary to the actor Sir Henry Irving, and uh, traveled around, and um, whenever he had uh, died, uh, there were uh, newspaper cuttings uh, relating to the Mercy Brown case in the late 1800s um, and his uh, and his effects. But you had people like Sarah Tillingast, you had people uh, like Nellie Vaughan, um, Juliet Rose. So you have an almost unbroken from the late 1700s uh, to the beginning uh, of the 1900s. Uh, in Rhode Island, so uh, and Rhode Island, as you know, is a largely rural uh, area. Uh, out in your own area, you have uh, things supposedly living in the woods around Cincinnati and Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, in rural areas, um, uh, the melon heads. The, yeah, that's uh, real close to my area. The melon heads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and those uh, uh, sort of impinge just beyond the town lights. Uh, who knows what's lying out there? You have, for, uh, again, in rural Tennessee, uh, a vampire chair. Now, you think that vampires are all uh, are, are living creatures, but uh, there are stories of a vampire chair in Tennessee uh, created by chairmakers, the famous Autumn Brothers, uh, which then turned up in a, in a sort of... Um, uh, cabin above the Hiawassee Creek uh, uh, outside Charleston in Tennessee, 
And this is a chair which drinks by osmosis, uh, that sucks the energy from you. It doesn't drink blood. It um, drinks uh, your energy as you sit in the chair. Sometimes I think, Jim, I fall asleep in my chair, and um, perhaps it's uh, it's drinking me as well, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But, uh, no, uh, so in the rural, you get, uh, uh, rural areas, you get uh, very uh, eerie and very strange uh, vampires. Um, out in Louisiana, there is supposed to be a bayou which has um, a sunken tomb within it and who knows what's lurking in the tomb uh, because people have vanished all around it so I write about that in the book as well so um, yes you're quite right whenever we talk about America or think about America over here we uh, tend to think about the big cities and, uh, and places like that but remember that rural America can be just as terrifying as the big cities and if you had to pick, you know, a story that surprised you or shocked you, one of your favorites, can you tell us one of those? Uh, well, I, I think I already have, because one of the things which fascinated me, and I, and I read about this in a very old book, which I got from the States, was, was about the vampire chair in Tennessee. Uh, and uh, you're sitting in it uh, because it's such a piece of genuine furniture. I mean, there's a chair in every uh, house. And I mean, this was an ordinary piece of furniture and a very central piece of furniture in rural America. I, I think that nobody uh, really appreciates how much uh, at the pioneer people, the chair uh, meant, uh, I mean, it was the center of the rural house. Uh, it was the place where uh, the mother sat to nurse her, uh, to nurse her child or to do sewing work or stuff like that. Uh, it was the place where the rural mountaineers sat at the end of the day and rested. It was the place where uh, neighbors sat to discuss uh, the affairs of the day or the affairs of the countryside. So it was central. And, and that's what makes it so interesting, because supposing a, a chair at the center or a thing at the center of your house is drawing the goodness from the house. And uh, it, uh, it turned up in a cabin, as I say, above the Hiawassee River. Now, uh, at the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, a rural road crew working above uh, the Hiawassee uh, were um, widening a road. And they discovered the mummified remains of a woman with a stake through her heart. <laughs> and it wasn't a stick, Jim. It was the uh, leg of a chair. And that was uh, supposedly one of the of two chairs which were made by the Autumn Brothers, who were great chair makers in, uh, in the rural highlands of Tennessee. Uh, they worked up in a, from a factory in Shell Creek. But um, they... Um, 
How the chair finished up in her uh, cabin up above the Hiawassee River is unknown. They may have traded it because chairs were trade items as well. You could trade it for sugar, molasses, uh, coffee, whatever you wanted. Um, the, uh, so it may have finished up, and she was regarded as a witch woman. It may be that uh, there are various names which are, have been given for the, uh, the the name of the woman changes uh, with every story, but uh, she was supposed to, uh, she was certainly supposed to be a witch woman, and um, she had uh, her spirit was supposed to be somehow in the chair and was drawing the life force from whoever sat in it. And that gives it a sort of eminence. I mean, I assume that uh, as you're talking to me, Jim, you're sitting in a chair. I'm certainly sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. And uh, just imagine if that chair was drawing from us very surreptitiously, um, the uh, energies and the vitality and the things that make us up uh, into itself. And that's what gives it a certain eminence. And that's what gives it a certain eeriness. And that's what gives it a certain fear. So uh, be very careful. Take a look uh, at the chair you're sitting on, Jim. You never know what it's doing. No, oh, I, I just bought this chair, too. I'm a little disturbed. I, <laughs> I was trying to get a better ergonomic uh, experience, but I, I have to watch out for that. Now, uh, go ahead. now um, uh, when we think about vampires, we think about the sleeping in the coffin and trying to replenish one's energy by the sucking of the blood. Uh, yeah. Any of these stereotypes come to play in, in the stories that uh, that you cover here in the American Vampires book? Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, uh, we were talking a, a bit about uh, Rhode Island and uh, Vermont. Uh, and um, once again, you're finding a German and Dutch influences coming through. Um, you have the Nachtmarie, you have the Blutzuggers. Uh, and uh, creatures um, like that. And those would correspond roughly to what we would think of um, the vampire to be. Part uh, Much of the book, um, I have to say, deals with things which uh, you would not expect, and that's what gives America its richness and variety. But... Uh, you do find uh, notions of uh, creatures lying in coffins. And uh, as I said, you had a number of young ladies, strangely no men, but a number of young ladies uh, who uh, were supposed to get up and roam around and drink blood in um, the traditional sense. And uh, and you have a very long, as I said, uh, string of these women from the late uh, 1700s or from uh, just after the Revolutionary War, uh, right up until the beginning of the 20th century. So, uh, yes, you have. Now, what uh, I 
think is happening here is that uh, places like Rhode Island and Vermont were hit very severely by disease and possibly, possibly, uh, young women were more susceptible to the disease like tuberculosis uh, and things like that. Now, the tubercular uh, disease would uh, would uh, uh, prompt a sort of wasting away. It would uh, prompt uh, a sort of pallid skin, a sort of marble effect on the skin. And it would uh, perhaps, uh, you would be wrecked by a cough and you might cough up blood. So you had blood around the edges of your uh, mouth. And this might give rise to the the notion that you were a vampire. Um, Strangely, uh, none of these young ladies were staked. What what actually happened in most cases, for example, the Mercy Brown, for example, the Sarah Tellingas case, which both of which are in the book, um, the bodies were exhumed and the heart and internal organs were taken out uh, and burned because uh, everybody thinks that the only way to destroy a vampire is simply to drive a stake through them. That is not, not in folklore. The the proper way to destroy a vampire is to burn it, uh, or to burn its internal organs. And strangely enough, this was the, uh, the method which was used in rural America. So, um, yes, you have... Um, things uh, or beings which correspond to our traditional uh, notion of the vampire. Uh, Part of the method of disposal is not uh, what we might uh, consider to be traditional, i.e. the the stake through the heart or the crucifix uh, laid on the coffin. Uh, It was believed in uh, Europe that the stake was only a temporary uh, thing that uh, if the stake was withdrawn, the vampire would live again, and I suppose this is um, what, uh, what is behind the ideas in rural America. Now, one thing that you mentioned in, in passing earlier is you know the kind of the melange of different cultures that uh, that the U.S. represents, not only European but um, African uh, origin. Uh, cultures and, of course, Native Americans. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about the vampire lore, with uh, as it pertains to Native Americans? Yeah. Well, um, as uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, there is little distinction in Native American folklore between vampires and witches. Uh, these, uh, for example, in, uh, New Mexico, the brujo, uh, the witch is also a vampire. Now, um, vampires, uh, among the Native Americans do not have to be dead. Uh, uh, because they're witches, they can be alive at the same time and go out and torment their neighbors. Uh, now, uh, as well as that, uh, among the Native Americans, vampires do not necessarily drink blood. They can, uh, they, they can uh, 
uh, they can drink blood from time to time, but mainly the blood of animals, but um, not uh, a great deal of human blood. But what they do, uh, do is that they travel about and they leech uh, the energies from people. Now, this may be explained, Jim, that sometime you get up in the morning and uh, you're not just feeling 100%, even though you slept quite well. Right. And this, uh, I think, was used to explain that. What happened was a witch simply took off her, his or her skin uh, and left and folded up the skin and left it and became almost a ball of light which traveled at amazing speeds. And it uh, hung about outside a person's house or a person's tent and drew off the good, if you like. Strange enough, that is also, uh, in some parts of Europe, a European belief. Because there are, uh, for example, patches of mold. And I mentioned this in... Uh, the chapter on New York, which can draw off from a house. But among the Native uh, Americans, these people can take off their skins or change their skins. They sometimes take off their human skin and don the skin of an animal. Uh, but what contained within this skin is a ball of light, which is the actual essence of evil and the actual essence of the vampire. And this draws into itself um, the goodness of uh, an individual or a certain house or a certain place where people are gathered. And these people are called skinwalkers. And there are supposed to be areas in rural New Mexico and in Arizona among the uh, Native American peoples, where these sorcerers uh, still operate. Uh, I was uh, in a place in, uh, about, oh, just over a month ago in Colorado, because I'm just back from the States myself, uh, and some of the Indians there, uh, up on some of the reservations in northern Wyoming, um, but still believe that there are skinwalkers among them. Now, these can be people living among them. There can be people living not too far away. There was supposedly in some of the mountain areas uh, in Wyoming, um, areas where some of these skinwalkers lived in colonies, and they went out and, uh, just like a tribe of Indians um, and... Um, went out and uh, did all sorts of ghastly things among uh, the surrounding Native Americans. Uh, so uh, the, there are uh, ideas that vampires can uh, disturb, can uh, do evil things, uh, and even spread disease among some of the Native American peoples. Now, when we talk about vamp any kind of lore or vampire lore, we tend to think in the past, but um, the role of the vampire in America, I would assume with all the pop culture and the re-emphasis and the increased interest in the um, paranormal, it would seem like uh, the vampire, in at least in terms of its standing in, in popular culture, is alive and well. 
the, the vampire certainly is alive and well. Now, we have progressed, uh, I suspect, from uh, whenever I was growing up. Uh, you're only a young whippersnapper, Jim, so you would not... You would not... Remember all the old uh, things which were based in uh, the old films which were based in Transylvania and uh, well, and the, and the vampire was uh, something which was away across the seas in uh, Europe and some remote area of Europe, and it didn't really affect us. The vampire, ha- I think, has progressed. The vampire uh, is now actually among us, and my daughter is greatly. Uh, 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 entranced by things like Twilight, you know, which is now showing. Sure. Uh, uh, I think there's a new film coming out very, very soon in in, uh, in uh, the series. Uh, and I think uh, my son steals an, uh, an occasional look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, so uh, these are bringing uh, the vampires closer to home. They're uh, portraying, uh, and they have ceased to be sort of gaunt uh, East European noblemen with sort of pale skins. They are now angst-ridden teenagers. Now, we had talked about vampires being among us. Uh, vampires are supposedly um, um, still uh, about, uh, I'm thinking particularly of in New Orleans, where there is supposed to be a convent uh, in the old quarter of the city in which a number of vampires uh, lie in coffins looked after by the nuns who mm. let them up once in a while. Mm. And some of them uh, wander through the city. Uh, and this gives a sort of eminence to... Uh, some of them are married uh, uh, most of them, I believe, are female, and the nuns look after them and uh, let them uh, wander about the city, it is said, and some of them have married uh, citizens of New Orleans and are living there, but at, uh, at certain times, they return to their coffins in the convent, and I mention the convent, I'll not tell you where it is, but it's in the book. Well, very good. That's why we'll have to get it. And on that topic, where can folks get the book and find out more about you on the net? Oh, they, they, they can find me in my blog spot, and I'm uh, trying to update. I've been here, there, and everywhere. I'm, as I say, I'm just back from uh, Wyoming and Colorado. Uh, I've been in Dublin uh, looking at vampires, would you believe, uh, <laughs> which are lying beneath St. Michael's Church in Dublin. Uh, there are three ancient um, bodies which have, have lain unpreserved. One is 800 years old. Uh, it's a crusader, and it is supposedly uh, believed to be a vampire. So uh, that's what I've been doing. And, and I'm all, I have been in Iceland. In fact, I am literally just back from Iceland, uh, looking at Draugr, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, and Icelandic folklore. I've been up in Reykjavik. Uh, so... Um, I'm going to update my blog spot with um, bits and pieces of my travel, so you can have a read at that. Uh, the books are available from all good bookshops, Jim, uh, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever you want. 
Very good. And it's drbobcurran.blogspot.com is your website. So so, uh, it sounds like you've given us some hints. What can you say about what's next uh, on the docket? uh, Well, well, we don't know yet. We are negotiating a whole number of things. One of the things which we're looking at is uh, a thing on... Um, uh, what lies behind myth? Can myth be manufactured? Or, or uh, we're looking at, uh, at strange things. Um, you may know this, Jim, that I uh, once worked as a snake charmer. So I think to, I read that, yes. Uh, so I'm going, uh, if this book, when we're still talking about it, comes up, I'm going to tell the secrets of snake charming. Well, you've although we don't consider ourselves snakes, you certainly <laughs> charmed us today. Dr. Bob Curran, thank you for joining uh, us. Lovely, Jim. Thank you very, very much. The book is American Vampires, Their True Bloody History from New York to California. If you're into vampires, you certainly want to get this book in just in time for the holiday season. Dr. Bob Curran, again, thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, Jim, it was a pleasure, and we'll talk again sometime. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Paranormal Podcast. Oh, my goodness, it is November. And I will just put out a quick shout-out. If you're out there uh, doing your holiday shopping, please shop from our Amazon.com links over at JimHerald.com. It helps us greatly doing some improvements to the studio here, hopefully in the January-February time frame. And you shopping from there would help us a lot. We'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time on the Paranormal Podcast. Bye-bye.